Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. I know that a lot of you in our church, rightly so, value the relationships in your life. That's why we're doing this series called Navigating Relationships. And, and most of you value your relationships with loved ones, with friends. You could probably value them more. We can approach them more healthily. That's what we're talking about in this series. Hopefully you value your relationship with God. But I'm telling you, there is one very important relationship in your life that I know is often neglected and left undeveloped, and that's your relationship with yourself. Think about it. Your relationship with yourself is constant. All day, every day, you're in your own head. And I'd like to ask you, how's it going in there? (laughs) Your relationship with yourself is also forever. It started when you were a baby and it will last into eternity. Some of you are thinking, oh no, I can never escape myself. Sometimes we, we, we fear at the thought of being with ourselves for another year. Sometimes we, we do everything we can to not be ourselves or get away from ourselves. But you've heard the old saying, wherever you go, there you are. And in the words of Keith Green, you can run to the end of the highway and still find everything is the same. That was my paraphrase. We often try not to be us through medicating ourselves by way of escapism. Sometimes it's money, success, entertainment, pleasure. I think some of the Uh, gender confusion in our culture right now is because of this. People looking for ways to try to be someone different because we can't figure out how to make sense of who we are and better relate to ourselves. Sometimes we look to things like substances. It's like anything to get out of our own head. And I love the Beatles, but they were dead wrong when they said, whatever gets you through the night, it's all right. Not true. It's not true. It is not a good way to live, to escape and medicate ourselves through life. And the really good news, and what we're gonna talk about this morning, and it is the first fill-in on your notes too, is that in Christ, you have a new identity and therefore a new relationship with yourself. Today, the title is A New Relationship with Yourself. And if you read those first two words, in Christ, and you're unsure if you are in Christ, that's okay. Today's a day to put your faith in Christ. Or maybe you know you've been running, and even as we start reading today, you know that your relationship with God, others, and yourself is way off. You know that God wants to do things there, and today is a chance for you to put your faith in Jesus and say yes to how he calls us to approach relationships. In Christ, Scripture says we are redeemed children of God. We are disciples of Jesus sent into the world with purpose and with meaning. And it addresses our relationship with our past, our present, and our future. In Christ, our past is completely forgiven and redeemed, completely. It says our present is filled with joy and we're fully alive. It says our hope is certain. I'm sorry, our future is certain and hopeful. We have a guaranteed destination in Christ. And that is all part of who we are. But I don't know if you're anything like me, I guess, you are, and that is that it can be hard to walk in this new identity. What does it practically look like to walk in a new identity in Christ and in a new relationship with Jesus? Our students have been sending in questions recently for this You Asked For It series that we've been doing, and I've I've loved seeing some of the middle schoolers asking things like, I hear these testimonies about Jesus and how to deal with anxiety. What does it look like to to really apply that to like my seventh grade life? 
you know, and how does that affect how I am in my home? And I, I, I love students and, and people willing to ask questions to God because it leads us into a healthier relationship when we become honest seekers. And so today is really simple message, but it could be very profound in your life. Seven biblical ways to walk in your new identity and in your relationship with yourself. I'm gonna go through it fairly quick and, and share some stories as we go and a lot of scripture. Number one, humble yourself. Our relationship with ourself is not to be trying to exalt us. We just sang it earlier, I exalt thee. That's talking about I exalt you, Lord. It's life the way God intended is not us trying to get to the very top always. It's actually about us going low. And, and look at me for a second because people don't always believe this. Humbling yourself is in your best interest. I think of it this way. It's the best thing for you, for your life, and for all of your loved ones for you to humble yourself. Sometimes we don't really believe that. We think humbling ourselves, we might kind of get behind. We might kind of, but it's a misunderstanding of humility. Humility is not a pity party for self. That's actually just a different version of selfishness. Hum, hum, humility is, is encountering truth and confessing our need. It's understanding where we really are. And James 4, 6, the Lord says this, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And then in verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. It points to that U-shape of the kingdom that I talk about pretty often. The kingdom of God, our lives are shaped like a U. We are meant to go low and humble ourselves. So we are no longer exalting ourselves. We humble ourselves in the Lord. And as we do that, we confess our need. Again, it's not a pity party. It's, a, it's an acknowledgement of truth. And then he lifts us up exactly how we need to be lifted up. It's entirely different than trying to like jump across the chasm and lift ourselves up and somehow be at the top of the mountain. It doesn't work well. And for each of these principles, I wrote, I've written a prayer and or a declaration. So I have a prayer of humility that will be on screen that is very similar to the things that I pray at the beginning and end of every day. It says, you are the creator, savior, and sustainer of my life. I stand in a posture of glorious dependence on you today. Thank you for lifting me up. And it's just a way to lean into humility, to confess God as creator. I didn't create myself to confess God as savior. I am in need. I need new life. I need forgiveness. And then to confess God as sustainer. I need you for my future. I need you for the next hour. I need you every single hour. I need you, Lord. It's a confession of humility. And it's, it's a confession of that glorious dependence. And then the promise, thank you for lifting me up. Have you ever noticed that when you humble yourself in the Lord, you never feel like you're soaring higher? Have you noticed that? Anybody? This is a very unhumble church. You guys have not noticed that. Well, let me tell you, if you, I'm just kidding. I know you guys are very, very humble. You guys are the humblest of all churches um, here around the middle Tennessee area. We're so, so humble. When you humble yourself, you will notice that you feel incredibly lifted up. Isn't that a beautiful kingdom paradox? It is, it is so counterintuitive. Going low causes you to be lifted up. And at least number two, renew yourself. Parenthetically, you could put in there your mind. Renew your mind. It's different than exhausting your mind. It's different than going on a vacation. It's different than entertaining ourselves so we're not even thinking thoughts anymore. It's doing what scripture says about do not conform 
to the pattern of this world. This is Romans 12 too. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Scripture says then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And let me backtrack on the slides to the declaration we see in Revelation 21.5. This is so key. And we talked about it last week a little bit. There are four uh, great chapters to the story of God. Creation, he made us. It's really the story of us in God. Creation, fall, that is sin. Redemption, that is the work of Jesus. New life and then renewal. And look at what he says, this promise of renewal. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. So to renew ourself, it's not that we're doing it in our own power and strength. We're not, we're not our savior, but it's acknowledging in humility the savior who calls us to renew our mind in him. It's calling to mind the promises of God. I think we live quite differently when we know that Jesus is going to renew all things. The promise is this for us personally. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. And then practically, one of my favorite verses, what it looks like to renew your mind. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Doing that for just 10 minutes a day can totally change your life. Think about what is true. Think about what is admirable. A prayer of renewal to start and end your day with. You are the maker, renewer, and sustainer of all things. Help me walk in this newness of life as I think about what is true, lovely, excellent, and praiseworthy. And at least number three, examine yourself. Examine. We don't think of this often. So don't deceive yourself. Rather, be honest with yourself. It's a tough thing to do. Be really honest with your own thoughts, the, the deepest parts of your heart and soul. Part of humility and examining is admitting that you might not be right about anything. I, I, I meant to say everything. I accidentally said anything. Freudian slip. You might not be right about anything. No, I hope not. You might not be right about everything. You might not be right about some things that you really feel like you're right about right now. I think it's a healthy practice to say to yourself, I might be deceived about some stuff. I might be thinking wrongly about things pertaining to me, pertaining, other, pertaining to others, pertaining to God, pertaining to my circumstance. That's humility, and that's part of examining. And it's completely biblical. Look at 2 Corinthians. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. And then one of my favorite Psalms, search me, God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I heard someone say, Jesus promised us that the truth will set us free. So if we're not fully free, we're not fully in the truth. If we're not fully free, we are somewhat deceived. And I don't mean this as a discouragement, but let me just tell you, you're deceived about something. And I'm speaking to myself and that's true of any of us as long as we've been in the Lord until we're on the other side of heaven. And I don't mean it in a negative way. It's good news. It's not, it's not the antithesis of living by faith. No, it's part of living by faith. Living by faith says, I need this great savior who knows everything. I don't know everything. This is humility. This is examining. And, and testing yourself to see whether you're in the faith is not testing yourself to see if you're good enough, by the way. You gotta, you gotta interpret these scriptures in light of the full counsel of God. It's not saying, 
Let me examine myself and make sure I'm good enough for God today. No, look at what it really says. Examine yourselves to see whether you are what? In the faith. Not examine yourself to see if you're in the perfection, if you are perfect in the righteousness of God. Trust me, you're not. Examine yourself to see if you're perfect in all your thoughts. You're not. But you, you know what you can be is in the faith because you know what faith is based on? Jesus and us just saying yes. So examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. Am I trusting in Jesus as my savior or am I somehow trusting myself as savior? It's not going that well. Here's a prayer of examination. And I didn't have this on the screen, but I, I, you could add this. I know I'm probably deceived about some things, but God, you fully know and fully love me. Help me see what you see. Help me repent of my sin. Help me stay in the faith and walk in the way everlasting today. I'll confess to you as a pastor, and I've been a, a 20 years now, a vo- 21 years actually, a vocational minister. I'm so grateful for that. And hopefully I got another 20, 30 coming, you know? But I don't take it for granted or as an assumption that I'm in the faith just because I preach God's word or just because I lead a church staff or a ministry or implanting a church. Paul is really clear in scripture about warning teachers. Be careful that you don't disqualify yourself even as you teach. And so it's on me to examine myself to see, am I in the faith? And I'm telling you, I've even sensed from the Lord at times, even here at Graceland, and this I hope is an encouragement to you. I have sensed here at Graceland that God is just up to beautiful things, right? God is building his church. God is transforming people's lives. We, we get the joy of being a part of building a land of grace for the good of this city. There are, I mean, dozens right in this room, dozens of stories of God's just miraculous power, redemption, so many incredible things. And I felt this from the Lord multiple times. Hey, Nathan, and I don't hear it audibly. It's just like a sense in my spirit. Hey, Nathan, um, I'm gonna do this beautiful work at Graceland Church, and I will use you in the role that you're called to, just like he's called all of you to be a part of it. But he said, I'm gonna do it with or without you. Like, I'm just gonna do it. This is, this is my work. And without you doesn't necessarily mean you're not even in the role anymore. But, but I could be fulfilling my duties, right? I could be functioning in life, but kind of not in the faith. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like the job is to stay in love with Jesus, to know him, to, to be alive. I know a lot of pastors that at the end of their journey are, are stuck in bitterness, quite honestly. And, and feel very let down by the Lord and very let down by people. And I understand why, it's tough. We all, we all battle those things, but let's test ourselves. Are we in the faith? This helps us in our relationship with ourselves. Because sometimes if we wonder why things are just feeling a mess in a season of life, you might be there right now. Stopping and examining yourself might help you realize, oh, I'm not in the faith. Let me put my faith in Jesus again. You know what I'm talking about? Like this is a repeated thing and it leads to number four. Deny yourself. To deny yourself, by the way, is to love yourself. Self-denial is self-love. Denying yourself is in your best interest. It's the counterintuitive kingdom of God. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What a beautiful invitation. When I was a kid, I remember this verse. You know, I grew up in church and I remember thinking, man, I'm never gonna be able to really carry my cross and follow Jesus because I'm so bad at denying myself. Anybody? 
Like, I stink at this. You know what I mean? I'm doing the opposite of denying myself. I'm on the other path. I mean, it, I remember uh, I've recently been watching Star Wars with my kids. Don't judge me. It's, it's been amazing. But you remember when, like, spoiler alert, Anakin turns into Darth Vader, like episode three? I remember thinking in, like, younger years and with that story, I was like, I'm going to be just like Anakin. I'm doomed. I'm so bad at denying myself. I'm on my way to the dark side. Has anybody else ever thought that? Like, it's just a misinterpretation of the scripture. It's a misunderstanding of, of, of what this is even saying. But to, to encapsulate that, I was basically taking this verse, verse as a condemnation on myself. Like, you're, you're never gonna be able to deny yourself perfectly. Therefore, you're never gonna be able to f- take up your cross and follow. Then in my young adult years, after I came to know Jesus, I remember being a, a young 20-something-year-old preacher and um, preaching pretty, uh, like, passionately, you better deny yourself take up your cross and follow. Like, like this, is, this is a hard call. I was just like fiery preacher, deny yourself. And I was honestly being probably a little self-righteous, like thinking, I'm doing this, are you? Come on, let's go. So, so that's a misinterpretation of the scripture. It can, be, it can be condemning or it can lead us to thinking we're doing so great, it's self-righteous. What I think is really, what I currently think is the healthy interpretation. In 20 years, I'll be confessing how wrong I was today, possibly, I don't know. <laughs> self-examination. But I, I really believe the, the gospel interpretation of this verse, uh, it, to some degree, if you put it in light of all of scripture, is, is really saying, denying myself is also denying uh, that I am my own savior. I'm not. I, I can't be my own savior. So, so little Nathan, I wish I could like say, little Nathan, it's okay. The point of denying yourself is that you're not able to perfectly deny yourself and take up your cross. It's following the one who did take up his cross, who overcame death in the grave, who lived perfectly. It's, it's accepting what he has done. It's saying, I deny that I have to be my own savior. I have a savior. That should be a bigger amen. It's denying whatever I may be thinking that is not true and accepting the truth. So, so an invitation to self-denial is an invitation to life and rest and peace. That's why he says, when you lose your life, you find it. You can't do it. You will not be able to fulfill the law. The law points you to your need for Jesus. It points you to your need for mercy and grace. It is a good thing to feel conviction from the law. But if it's condemnation, and if you hear a verse like that and think I'm out, you're just misunderstanding it. So part of your relationship with yourself needs to be that self-denial where you say, I take myself off the throne of my life. And I say, Jesus, come be on the throne of my life. You are my savior. You are my Lord. I can't tell you how much hope it brings me every day that I remember to do this and say, wait a second, my day, I've got my whole day ahead of me. So much stuff to do, so many responsibilities, so many questions, so many decisions, so many inner thoughts, so much dialogue, so much brokenness, so much crisis. But wait, what does it mean to say, wait, I got to step off the throne of my life for a second? Of course, we feel anxiety. We think we're on the throne of our life. Of course, we feel nervous and worried. We think we're in charge of figuring out our entire future. Of course, we're terrified. If you are your own Lord, you're going to live in terror. You're gonna be filled with anxiety. Of course, I'm feeling that when I forget to to step off the throne of my life. But then it's the daily reminder. He said, deny yourself daily. Take up your cross and follow. When I remember to do it daily, Jesus, you are on the throne of my life. What have you called me to do today? How have you called me to live? What does it mean for you to be my Lord today? And it starts with getting that relationship with myself right. Then it starts with loving others right, being faithful in my work, being available for him to interrupt my life and do whatever he wants to do. Anybody with me? Self-denial is self-love. It's in your best interest. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. The prayer of self-denial 
that I wrote is, I lay me down and I'm no longer the Lord of my own life. You are my Lord and the only one on the throne of my heart. Lead me in your ways. And elites number five, encourage yourself. Anybody here have like a full-time professional inner critic? Like your inner critic is crushing it, like just moving up the chain of command that, you know, your inner critic is getting paid a high salary for making you feel so bad about yourself, right? You've got to learn to encourage yourself. It says in 1 Samuel 30, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength, and the King James Version says, encouraged himself in the Lord his God. One of my longtime mentors 15 years ago started telling me often when I would call him, Nathan, ask God to teach you what it is to encourage yourself in the Lord. And he was still available to me, of course. He wasn't just trying to like get me off the phone. He's like, hey, go encourage yourself, buddy. Leave me alone. He was teaching me a, a true kingdom principle. Like you've got to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. And that has a lot to do with your inner dialogue. I, I'm thankful for this preacher named Charles Spurgeon. I shared about this on my social media this week. He was a profound, prolific, fruitful preacher uh, in England. And I think it was in England and um, had an incredible life. God used him in all kinds of profound ways. His, his sermons and writing, many of us preachers are still reading and quoting today. Amazing man of God. But I'm thankful that he was willing to talk about how much he struggled also publicly. He said that his depression of spirit is such that few can have any idea of it. He said, I'm thankful for those that, that aren't elevated and then depressed, but he said, I am elevated and then depressed. And I'm so thankful for those that live faithfully like the Charles Spurgeons out there, meaning he didn't, he didn't just crash and burn, right? In the midst of the struggle, he didn't check out. He still fulfilled his responsibilities, obviously imperfectly in need of God, but in that context was willing to still confess publicly his struggle. And the reason that encourages me so much is because that's exactly how I am. I struggle so deeply at times. I feel greatly distressed at times. And if I didn't learn to encourage myself in the Lord, and it's a lifelong lesson, I would have given up 21 years ago. You know, I would have maybe given up as a little kid. I I just want to encourage you, relate to yourself with the posture of encouragement. And we see David doing it in Psalm 42. It's an example of encouraging yourself in the Lord. Why, my soul, are you downcast? He's like looking down and yelling at himself, why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. So start the day by encouraging yourself, lifting yourself up. Here's a declaration of encouragement. My identity is settled. I am a child of the king. I speak the truth and faithfulness of God to my own soul. That's a big one for me. I speak the truth of God to my own soul. I speak the faithfulness of God to my own soul. And all of a sudden, in that humility, I am lifted into his truth and into his faithfulness. What a perfect God and king who invites us to live in his faithfulness as if we were that faithful, (laughs) clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Can you imagine such a gift? I will rise up in courage, strength, and overcoming hope today. And it leads to number six, arm yourself. Make the decision to use the weapons, the armor that God has given you. Don't leave yourself exposed to attack. Oftentimes, I live like this, and oftentimes I am walking with people and counseling people that are walking with Jesus, but, but kind of their image of it is they're just wandering around, exposed in the, 
in the woods with no protection and someone could come in and do whatever they want. There's no, there's no courage because you haven't armed yourself. I'm telling you that God calls us to arm ourselves. That's part of our relationship with ourselves. It says in Ephesians 6, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. He says it, put it on. Part of your relationship with yourself is to wear this so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. So if you feel like you're not standing against the devil's schemes, if you feel like you're getting crushed by the devil's schemes, part of it is put on the armor of God, be reminded. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, the powers of this dark world and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to, everything to stand. We are in days of evil, would you guys agree? And days are getting evil, eviler. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word, but you know what we are called to do is stand. And it is possible if we're not wearing the armor of God to not stand because the cost is greater. It gets harder. So arm yourself. Here's a declaration of strength and being armed. I will be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power today. I will put on the full armor of God. I will take a stand against the lies of the enemy and I will not be moved. We're not too far away in our culture from, from getting back into potential martyrdom. I mean, this has been happening around the world, our entire generation of being alive, but things are getting so contested, um, even in our country right now. I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. You, you can sometimes just make one statement about the truth of God and, and all hell from people breaks out against you as if you're the worst thing alive. You're just the most evil thing in the world. And, and it does not gonna take too much more for people to go mob mentality on you and just like kill Christians. I mean, that's how it happens. We see it all throughout church history. I don't say it to discourage us, but to call us to stand. God has called us to stand. And I'm hopeful because historically and biblically, the church flourishes under persecution, not under blessing. So having this like Christian nation that, that we're kind of leaving, that we're, some of us are, are used to and wish would come back. Um, I mean, hopefully the Lord sends us into revival. That's our prayer. But, but the sense of kind of like a Christianized nation, um, it's, I think it's actually good for the kingdom for that to, to, to move away because under persecution is when the church of Jesus flourishes. Anybody with me? I mean, you see it all throughout scripture. I'm not saying we should pray for persecution. I'm saying it's going to come and the church is going to flourish. The church is more alive and flourishing in China right now, way more than America, way more. I know missionaries on the field there. I know people that have, that, uh, that have lost their entire lives over declaring their faith there. It's an underground church. They get killed for their faith. They lose their families. They lose their incomes. Yet the church has multiplied and is alive. And guess what? It barely costs them any money. <laughs> Over in here in America, we're spending so much money on the church. It's, there's never been a richer church than here in America. And here we are in one of the wealthiest parts of America. Our hope is not in money, my friends. Our hope is not in church buildings. And we're gonna be faithful to what God has called us to do, like here with the land of grace. But the point is not church buildings. The point is the church. And so don't, don't lose heart because of persecution. I do, I, I find
some of our really dear friends are living in places of the world or in our country where it's already costing them so much more. Like we live in an area here where you can say you're a Christian and not lose your job. You know what I mean? In fact, sometimes here, if you say you're a Christian, it can help you still. It's Bible Belt. There's still lots of people here that need Jesus, though. But we, we have friends in other parts of the country that are suffering because of their faith and that feel like they're losing their kids. I just sense the need to pause and pray. I don't know what the Lord is saying to you or what he's doing with this pause. But it wasn't on my radar at all with this, really. But Lord, we just... We just say yes to you. And it's a long-term yes. We say yes for the rest of our days. We make a pre-decision to say yes, even when it costs us. We make a pre-decision to arm ourselves with the armor of God, not with the weapons of the world, but with the armor of God so that we can stand when the day of evil comes. I pray for every person here that you will help them. I pray for every family, every marriage, every individual. I pray for every student here, Lord, that you would give them an unshakable vision and hope for a lifelong yes of knowing you, Jesus. And Lord, if it costs us, so be it. This is not our eternal home. We're passing through here. There's a new heavens and a new earth coming. So we just, we say yes. We pray for that next generation as well. The kids, the grandkids, the ones about to be born. God, we pray that you would, we know you will, so we just, we pray for this remnant of fathers of Jesus that you will call and raise up to again turn the world upside down. And we do pray for spiritual awakening in our country. We're not hopeless about our nation. We pray for spiritual awakening in our world. I can't even imagine the families and kids and people in Israel and Gaza right now, but we pray for peace, Lord. We pray for divine intervention. There are people in areas like that and all over the world where it's costing them everything to know and follow you, to just say yes. So we humble ourselves, Lord. Remind us what it is to just know you, follow you, to be on your mission. In Jesus' name. There's one more point I want to give you guys. Number seven, build yourself up in the faith. 
build yourself up. Look at this awesome scripture in Jude. It's interesting, I wanna point out, it says Jude 20 to 21 because there's only one chapter in Jude, so that's just referencing the verses. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. I can, <laughs> I'm having trouble reading the scripture. <laughs> Let's just remain in a posture of response. James, if you could just come up. The rest of the team can just, can just respond. James, just. There's a, uh, an illustration that I feel like God put on my heart to close out today. Um, I am responsible in my house for taking the trash out. Where are my other trash people at? Okay. I was noticing this week that when you take the trash out, it's great. All the trash cans are now empty, but then they fill back up. Anybody else notice that? <laughs> you have to take it out again and again and again and again. And I have four children, and some of our trash cans, I mean, it looks like uh, a war broke out, and there's about a quarter of the stuff is in the trash can. The rest of the stuff is around that entire corner of the room or the bathroom. When I'm collecting the trash, <laughs> sometimes I'm on my hands and knees reaching under sinks and just grabbing and not thinking about whatever's there. I'm like, it doesn't matter. I'm just touching everything. There's floss in my fingers. There's weird, uh, there's towels, there's things. There's crunchy stuff, there's soft stuff, there's wet stuff. I'm just like, I don't know what I'm touching. I'm just all in. Let me get in the trash can. Let me just get this out of my house. You guys know what I'm talking about? <laughs> uh, and uh, it, just, it just struck me so hard and I'm gonna get all emotional again thinking about it, but that's how it is with our relationship with ourself and dealing with our thoughts, you know? Can anybody just confess with me a lot of our thoughts are trash? I mean, literally trash. I mean, the nastiest crap, the nastiest junk ever. And we just pile it up in our own head. Anybody with me? I mean, just the worst stuff. It's gotta be taken out. You have to take it out. Who else is gonna take it out? You have to take it out. And then it tries to fill back up the next day. You have to take it out again. Like you are a trash person. You didn't know it, but that's part of your job. You have to take the trash out of your mind every single day. And it was so amazing. Once they pick up the trash, what a great you know country we live in where people pick up our trash and take it away into oblivion and we never see it again. It's crazy. It's like magic trick, it's just gone. And I don't know where any of the trash from my house is, I have no idea. I don't wanna know. It's out there somewhere, I'm never gonna think about it again. It's over, it's gone. Scripture says that as far as the east is from the west, so your sins have been removed from you. It's over, 
it's gone. And, and let me tell you this, if you don't take out the trash, like if I didn't take out the trash in my house for six months, we would be living in a dumpster. That would be life. It would smell terrible, it would look terrible, it would be miserable. And some of us, some of you have not taken the trash out in a very long time in your mind and in your heart. It's just like you're living, of course your life feels like a dumpster fire, it is. You know, you gotta take it out. So let's just make that our response and then we're gonna sing this chorus a couple times. But if you could stand with me, close your eyes. If you sense, <laughs> I get emotional just saying this. If you sense the presence of God, and if you sense him drawing you closer, if you sense him saying, you know, something like, I want, I want to teach you new things, my daughter, my son. I want to teach you a different way to know yourself, to relate to yourself. If you just sense him speaking something to you, let's, our response will be just lifting up our hands to him. I'm not even going to look around. Well, let's make an altar in our heart. And this raising up of our hands is humbling ourselves. It's examining ourselves. It's denying ourselves. It's encouraging ourselves. It's building ourselves up. It's arming ourselves. Come on, church. That's what we're doing. So let's just sing this, uh, this bridging chorus with our hands lifted, saying yes. Are you hurting, broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of sin, Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind, come on. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Can you pause for one second? I just feel like we're supposed to do this. I don't do it a lot. And it's an interesting Sunday for it because we have the baptismal up here. And we have the piano out here, so there's not a lot of space, but um, let, let's just, there's something, something about moving and walking and getting out of your seat, and I just feel like the Lord is wanting to really do something in, in maybe one person's life, maybe a lot, but can we just come up to the front? Like, if you just sense him speaking to you, it's not, it's not a confession, <laughs> it's just if you sense him speaking to you, I feel like... I want to encourage you to hear this, like, from the Lord. Like, I feel like God wants us to come up to the front and, like, come together. But we don't have a lot of space, so come all the way up and face forward. Just come all the way up and face forward, all the way up here to the front if you're already here. 
and uh, just just keep coming. It's just a response before the Lord. I think that I think that sometimes the Lord just like does an altar call. I don't feel like this altar call is from me at all. I think sometimes the the Holy Spirit just like does an altar call. So just come all the way up. Uh, it's just it's just saying yes to whatever He's doing, and let's just keep singing that as we're here close together. You can kneel, you can sing, you can pray, but let's take another few minutes just in the presence of God and pray. I pray that you can walk in that newness of life uh, this week. We're going to share, I said at the first service, we're going to share these out through our social media and it just leads you to scripture. But I'm going to pray this benediction and we'll be dismissed. Um, James can noodle around a little bit. If anyone wants to just keep praying up front, feel free. But may God rejoice over you with gladness. May Christ Jesus renew you in his love. (laughs) I can't even read this. Sorry, I feel like we should do one more thing. It's like God's timetable, right? Are you guys all right? I just feel like this might put you on the spot, but I I almost feel like I saw this this morning. I didn't know it would be this or what I was thinking about, but does anyone hear? Because look at what the scripture says. Um, Can you put that Jude scripture up again? It says, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. It says praying in the Holy Spirit. So there's something in Scripture called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit is God. He's part of the Godhead, the Trinity. And uh, in the New Testament, sorry, but try to get this out. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit now infills believers. It's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it's the baptism in the Holy Spirit that allows you to live in this new identity. It allows you to walk in the power of God. So I'm just going to be real straightforward about it. If you want uh, to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, uh, just come right up here to the middle and we're going to pray for you. Um, And it could just be that you're saying, I want more of, of God in my life and I know I'm totally putting you on the spot and if no one wants that it's okay but I felt like I should do it anybody want to come into the middle alright we got one coming in the middle come on <laughs> my brother <laughs> anybody else want to come into the middle by the way it's not saying you don't have the Holy Spirit to come in the middle Come on up. We got some more coming up. Come on up to the front. Come on. Yeah. Thanks. Anybody else want to come? Come up close to the front so we can see you. Are you coming? Are you walking now? Okay. Anybody else want to come over to the front? I'm telling you, all of us could say yes to this, but can we just gather around those that have come? Let's just begin to pray. Lord, we thank you. 
Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you, my, my brothers and my sisters, Lord. I pray that you will baptize them afresh with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, fill them with the fullness of the living God, we pray. Not by our strength or in our name, but in the name of Jesus, Lord. Fill them to overflowing, I pray, God. I pray you'll bring transformation to their life. God, I pray for the power of God to rest on them in Jesus' name, to be evident. I pray for the fullness of God. I pray for the living hope that cannot be destroyed of God as evidenced in the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we say come and fill this place. Fill us afresh. The ones that have come and those that are here praying, Lord, fill us afresh with your spirit, God. Teach us what we do not know, God. Lead us in paths we've not been down before, God. We give you thanks for your promise. We give you thanks for your hope. Let's sing it one more time. Oh, what a Savior. Come on, church. Let's lift up our hands. Let's sing it out. Christ is Bow down before him, for he is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah. Let's just take Christ another minute. Come on, worship. Risen. Let's worship Jesus. Come on. We're joining with the worship service of heaven. Keep singing it. Oh, what a Last part, bow down before him. Bow down before him, for he is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Amen. So I encourage you, uh, pursue, pursue the Lord on your own. It's clear, I guess like the Lord is just doing something. I can't even talk. <laughs> right? Do we sense like the Lord is just doing something? I'm all about like church strategy that's just Holy Spirit. Like let's let it just be God doing what he wants to do. And I wanna encourage you. I, I, I don't know, I feel like he's doing something where you should go home and pursue the Lord, you know, in a fresh way and in a new way. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, take two, I'll try the benediction. Here we go. May God rejoice over you with gladness. May Christ Jesus renew you in his love and may the Holy Spirit give you peace beyond understanding to guard your hearts and minds in Christ. We go in peace to love and serve the Lord in Christ's name. James is just gonna play a little longer if you wanna pray, but we're dismissed other than that. But feel free to stay and kneel and pray at the altar. The altars are on the sides. If you'd like to just pray that, pray there. But other than that, we're dismissed. I love you guys.